when Mark Neal was relieved of his commission at Melbourne mid-season in 2013, the club had won five of 33 games under his coaching. Next weekend, just five years on, Melbourne will be playing finals. How does a sack coach feel when his old team comes good? Let's ask him. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for having me, Mike. Are you pleased for the Demons or, like some of us, does your pride tell you internally that you just hope they stay down forever? Oh, I'm really pleased for them. Uh, my time in the AFL, I've met some great people and there's still a number of people at Melbourne, uh, on the field and off the field, that uh, I've got good relationships with, shared some uh, really tough times with. I I'm pleased for them. Were you treated harshly, Mark, did you think? You mentioned before about the, the win and the loss. For me, for me, I felt the role of myself and the coaching group there at the time was to redo the list. Uh, that, was, that was clearly going to happen. And then it was going to take some, take some time to instil in them some really good behaviour. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's for other people to judge, Mike, to be honest. Were you too hard too early? I, I, there's a view that you came in, and I think the, pe the previous, or the people that were involved with the administration said, we need to toughen up, we need to overhaul the list, and we need to change the culture at this club. Did you go too hard? Uh, uh, well, what, what you just said then, that, that was clear the direction of the, that the football club wanted to take. That came through very clearly, clearly in the extensive interview process that I wouldn't have been the only person to go through it. Lots of people went through that. That was the desire. So there were decisions made uh, about the composition of the list uh, prior to my appointment in the way that the, the club wanted to go. And, and that was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the experienced players and the older players were go either were going to be delisted then or they they were going to go. A and they, the club wanted to invest uh, in, in youth. The most telling example of out with the old and in with the new was your decision to appoint uh, Jack Grimes and Jack Trengove yep. as co-captains in your first year. Grimes at 22, Trengove at 21. Yep. What motivated you to do that? Yeah, lots of things. Uh, it was the, that was the culmination of a, of a, pro, a lengthy process. Again, um, so Neil Craig had a... Sorry, sorry to interrupt. There you are there and they look like two babies, don't they? <laughs> Look like two teenagers. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, well, yeah, they weren't far beyond teenagers. No, they weren't. Yeah. So, uh, the process to appoint them was again working through with the whole player list and getting from them what is it that you want in leaders. So it was them being able to articulate the behaviours they wanted on a consistent basis, both on the training track, uh, during matches, off the field. This is the type of leader that they wanted, and, and that took took the whole pre-season to work through with them uh, what they actually wanted. And then there was uh, there were different things done in terms of getting other players to rate everybody on, on where they fitted. Uh, a number of the people, uh, so the, the coaches also had a little bit of input into that. It, to me, it was a, a clear statement by the player group as to the type of person and the type of actions they wanted to lead. That's what it came down to. If you go to the board and and explain this to them, uh, they'll have some input into it. More importantly, if you go back to the players and you say that after three months of going through a process that spoke about actions, behaviours, what you want in a leader, they'll know who they rated. If you go in there and say, well, it's actually these four players and it's not the ones that they went for, 
how do you handle that situation? Can you actually look them in the eye and give them that, give them that feedback? Was Brad Green, did he play on after, uh, in your first year? Yes, he did. Yeah. So he was the captain previously. Yeah. How did you handle dumping him for two kids? Yeah. See, the, well, I, did, I wouldn't say that he was dumped. Uh, well, that, he was the captain. He was yeah. the captain. And he was relieved of that. Yeah, well, I think that all leadership positions were open. Brad, Brad was aware of that and that sat... Uh, the information or well, the discussions that I had with Brad, that sat well, well with him, that they were all open. He just wanted to see how his teammates rated his behaviours. Uh, is it fair to say that Gary Lyon got you the job at Melbourne? I don't, I don't think so. I, yeah. I, I, actually, I don't, I don't know. You'd have to ask the person. That's, that's my understanding. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, okay. Gary's a powerful personality. Yeah, and, and a big figure in Melbourne's history. Yeah. And I think um, there were probably three who decided that Gary, Cameron Swab and Don McClarty. Yeah, well, they were certainly... Gary and Cam were part of the majority of the interviews uh, that were through that process. Don... F joined late. You, have, you go through a whole heap of mm. different things that you have to do. Don joined late. But that, so what you're saying, that, that makes sense, given that those two guys, Cameron and Gary, were part of nearly every interview that I had. I must say, in, in fairness, some people said that you weren't ready. I, I would have thought your apprenticeship was almost perfect. Yeah. I mean, you'd coached at under-18 level. Mm -hmm. You'd coached uh, in country football. Yep. And you'd been an assistant coach under Mick Moldhouse for four years at Collingwood. Yeah. So there's not much more you can do to learn the job, is there? Oh, there's always more. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, it was my decision to believe that I was ready to put my hand up to go through the process, and then the people on the on the panel, it was up to them to make their decision, which, which they did. Mm. When it started to un not unravel, because Melbourne hadn't been strong anyway, but no. when, when you weren't seen to be making any progress in the first year, how did you feel? Did you think it was going to be a long-term project and you were OK with that, or were you starting to get a bit disturbed? No, I always thought it was going to be a long-term project, and I was uh, really clear on how I wanted the group to play uh, and what that was going to look like. I, I, I believe we still there were some things that were starting to, to happen, that, that we could see, which was good. Still really keen to develop the standards off the field going into the second pre-season. Uh, I thought that was good. There was always going to be perhaps a dip in the second year due to the, the I think, the clean-out. I, I can't remember the exact number, but let's say there was about 10 to 12 people on the list that were changed over, and the majority of people that came in were young. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I, was, I, I was confident that it was still going to be a long-term project, but we're on the right track. So you get to mid-season? Yeah. After 11 rounds, you've won one. Yep. Was the dismissal a shock to you? It wasn't, only because the... Again, I'm big on, in footy clubs, you need alignment between key people. Mm. And when Cameron Schwab was removed as CEO, there was a shifting of, of ideas, not a complete shifting of direction, but... Cameron was fantastic in supporting, saying this is going to be a long-term proposition. Uh, we're going to blood, the, you know, go ahead and the list is going to be cold, go with the young kids, it's going well, I can see things changing, those types of things. And when key personnel get removed, there is a little bit of, oh, hang on, I, I wonder, wonder how this is going to go. So the CEO went and then Don McClarty put out that, you know, he was going to move on as president and then you think, well, there's going to be, there's chances of being a big shift here. So it wasn't a complete shock from that point of view. Mark, your last three games, yep. you lost by a total number of points equivalent to 44 goals. Okay. 
Now that's stark, isn't it? I mean, when you when you put it in that context, that must have concerned you about um, the direction. Well, when you're coaching a well, I'm not so sure because when you're coaching a team that is particularly young and light on experience, you, you do have some options. Do you? You can put everyone behind the ball, yes, if you like, and yep. and stop that. And we discussed not putting everyone behind the ball. You know, maybe playing with plus two in defence or at times a plus three, you push your winger back, whatever the decision is made. Uh, I was big on, look, I, I didn't want to do that. I, I just didn't think that in the long run the group would get much out of that. Mm -hmm. What did you learn from what from the outside was a horrendous 18 months at Melbourne? What did you learn about yourself and about coaching? Yeah, learn, learn a lot. Uh, it was you know, a really good learning experience. In terms of people often ask, would you do things differently. I would have asked more questions of myself and more questions of the interview panel in terms of this is a, when, when I was told this is the direction the club's going to take. We, we've made some decisions already on some senior experienced players. They're not going to see much of your coaching. Uh, they're not going to take us forward. Um, I, I didn't question that enough and therefore, so when I started to coach, my energies, clearly, I, I would have spent more time delving in and, and finding out more about the, more, the experienced players. As to whether they could help you or not. Yeah. 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 I, think, I think that was, for me, that, that, was, a, that was a key a key thing, which then leads into um, massive changes of a list straight away under a new coaching group. You know, hindsight says you might want to be a bit more subtle in that. I think they're, they're pretty much the learnings. When you finished at Melbourne, you had a three-year contract, did you not? I did, yeah. yeah. Were you paid out? Uh, yes. In full? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think so, mm. yeah. You'd know that, wouldn't you? Well, uh, probably. Uh, well, <laughs> in terms of... Your there, wife would have known that. Yeah, my wife, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's certain things in a contract... I, I, I don't know, the definition of full year, I pretty much got, got it all, which okay. is good. Yeah. How was your self-esteem? I mean, there's n the scrutiny on coaches, well, I don't have to tell you this, yeah, no, but how intense it is, how was your self-esteem when you've been uh, dumped by a club down the bottom of the ladder? Yeah, I think initially it does take, it, it can take its toll, um, initially. Uh, managed to, I'm a big one for, OK, you've you got to move forward, uh, everyone keeps going forward, what, did I, what can I learn from that that will put me in better position mm -hmm. moving forward. So was in a good position in terms of Sarah and I went away for a little while, so took off um, overseas. Very fortunate position to be able to do that, so that was great. Sarah happened to be at a, uh, at a health resort on the island of Koh Samui, so I got home after having a very short chat with Peter Jackson and thought, well, I'm the only one in the house and I don't actually have to go to training tomorrow. Well, OK, I'm on a plane, so... I took off over there and it was a very funny experience. Effectively, within 24 hours of being an AFL head coach, I was at Kosamui at a health resort where it was a, not quite a starvation health, res health resort. It wasn't far off. There was a fair bit of yoga going on. I, I didn't go too well in the first yoga class. The guy asked me to leave. He was trying to, expl really? he was trying to explain <laughs> to me about concentration and we got to visualise this and that didn't go too well. So that was quite interesting. But came back from there, uh, really refreshed. Uh, we were away for a few weeks and, and then it was, OK, what am I going to do? And I finished up with the help of the Coaches Association getting a bit, bit of direction in terms of what I wanted to do next. So we then I went and did some study at New York Uni, which I found really beneficial.
study of what? Used it. So I started studying business at New York, New York Uni. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, completely opens up. You said about the scrutiny on AFL coaches. I think the scrutiny on the AFL industry is extreme. A and I wanted to use the time post the Melbourne um, coaching experience wisely, but I wanted to step out and just have a have a look at things. And it is extreme scrutiny, uh, as you say, but there is a big wide world out there. So I managed to experience that for a little while, which I was really grateful for. So you end up at Essendon. Yep. You had uh, four years with the Bombers. Yep. Yeah. As assistant to uh, to John Warsfold. Yep. And initially to James Hurd. Yeah, Hurdy, yes. Yeah. I was interested, you made some observations about Hurdy at the height of the supplement saga. Yeah. And you said he was just, the saga just, quote, your quote, ripped into shreds. Yeah. I, so I started at Essendon. My first role at Essendon was head of development uh, under Hurdy. And... Again, completely different. So that was, I got to work with, uh, I really got to work with the first to third years program, but with the development coaches. So again, not a, not a hands-on role. And so I really enjoyed that aspect. Hurdy had, and he still does, I I'm sure. Now, he had some great ideas on coaching, some great ideas on how he wanted the game to be played and how he thought it should be played. He, I really, he's, he's a really good person to talk to about football, um, but... The but would be in that instance. I was I arrived at Essendon when everyone had thought, well, pretty much the saga, the supplement saga, was just about done. But it it clearly wasn't. And look, it was a distracted footy club. Mm. AFL footy is really difficult to succeed when everything is going well. Let alone where there's a massive amount of distraction uh, that makes it particularly difficult. Do you saw him change? You saw the personality of Hurdy change in I, front of you. Uh, no, not so much Hurdy's personality, but it was his time at the start when I started with Hurdy. Like everybody was, he's a very energetic person, uh, loves footy, and you know was talking about this is where we can get the group, and we've got a really good crop of youngsters coming through, which are now playing some really good footy. So in that group, you know, Zach Merritt, Danaher, Fantasia. Um, that that group that was coming through, he was really excited for their development and what they could, where they could take the club. So that was initially, and then, yeah, as you said before, the scrutiny, mm. not just on the footy performance, but what was going on with the supplements saga. It, it, it took its toll on everybody, including Hurdy. Mark, at two six this year, the Bombers are yep. struggling. They're behind where most of us thought they should and would be. Yeah, and uh, you're relieved of your job there. Yeah. Now. You're close with Woosha. Very close, yeah. What, I can't understand how that can happen. How If the coach wants you there and the coach has appointed you to that role, yeah. how his, his will doesn't prevail. Yeah, OK. So a little bit, my role, so you mentioned it before, you described it as an assistant coach. It was not a, a coaching role I had at the Bombers, so it was not really, it's certainly not tied to the season as, as such, if, if that makes sense. So the role I had at the Bombers came about uh, when James left Essendon and uh, Wusher was appointed, there was a extensive review, as all reviews are, and the role that I finished up taking on came out of that review and with the appointment of Wusher. Uh, Wusher uh, brought with him a new coaching structure for the Bombers, uh, one that he was based on the success that he'd had at the Eagles, mm -hmm. and he also brought with him 
uh, a very different education style, education philosophy than what had been in place uh, previously at the Bombers. So the role that he wanted me to play was, was working between the coaching group, uh, the recruiting group, the medical staff and the sports science staff. So he described it as having a, a, a person who worked between the, all the silos. And the idea was to bring people along for the journey. The first thing was to explain the new coaching structure and how he wanted it to work. And then to go through his education philosophy to get everybody in the same page. I did get asked a lot that sounds like something the head coach should be doing. Mm. Why was the head? So John is meticulous in his planning and, and his reasons, and I asked him that question prior to taking on the role. And he was enormous on, in his time as a head coach, that particular role had expanded significantly, and he still viewed the most important thing as being able to spend time with 45 of his players. And he felt by putting people in certain roles that, it didn't mean that what we were doing was any less important because he didn't value it, it was his number one thing. It meant that he could do his job. The one-on-one -on -one stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I've had some great experiences in footy and, and seeing, working with long time with Mick Malthouse mm -hmm. and then his, his uh, captain of the Eagles in John, getting to work with him, I thought was quite a fascinating contrast. Like, very different people. But at the same time, I could see some similarities in certain mm -hmm. aspects, one of which was... John's attention to detail and his belief of know your role, play your role, uh, once that was explained. So my coaching box role, uh, John again went through with everybody. He asks a lot of questions and draws information out. And when he, hears, when he hears everyone's information, puts it together, he had written really meticulous bullet point role descriptions of what he wanted everybody to do in the box. Again, it's not earth-shattering. Every senior coach wants his or, or other sports, wants her coach, coaching box to operate in a certain way. Ultimately, uh, it's Woosh's team and he needs to be given the information that he wants to coach it to the best of his ability. So he had some role descriptions for every person in the box. My, the biggest one that I had was to ensure that everybody was adhering to those role descriptions. Uh, the manner in which he did that, again being part of the inquiry education system rather than the tell education system. Uh, the idea was, well not the idea, I had a number of questions that I'd ask people uh, and the idea was that to answer those questions they had to be watching the part of the ground so that John wanted. People were the assistant coaches? Yeah, well yep. assistant coaches, analysts, okay. opposition yep. coach, uh, they're the people that, yeah, that, again, same as all other coaching boxes. Most, most coaching boxes have a, co a box manager or depending on the head coach. So why were you, why were you d um, dumped then? I mean if you were doing the job and coordinating the material from yep. the assistant coaches to the coach what happened? Yeah okay so it was great alignment between Rob Kerr when he was GM of football and Woosher with regards to the structure and then when Rob left at the end of last year. Uh, we had a new footy manager come in, Dan Richardson, came in Feb this year, perhaps, uh, around about that time, came from Richmond. He was not aligned to Woosh's structure. Mm. So the, the, the non-alignment. But doesn't yeah. the coach, coach's view prevail about how the team is coached and what he wants? It, again, it was something that uh, I'd had some discussions. It, 
with w a lot with John, obviously. Had some discussions with Dan just about, you know, where does your future lie, those sorts of things. The, the role that I had was a great role. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the reason I, I, I made a decision to go down the sports management mm -hmm. administration plan, and, that, and that's not a secret, uh, like I said to you before, when I left Melbourne, did some study at New York Uni, came back, got enthused about that, so doing an MBA. So it was really clear where I was going, and, and probably a, the biggest part of me taking the role uh, was that it, it was a significant management role uh, in the sports administration area, which is where I want to go. Gave me a little bit of toe in the water still with coaching, but not massively. It was more around the coaches and the, and the game plan and strategy, uh, which I enjoyed, and working with the younger coaches to help develop them into being you know, coaches into the future. So I enjoyed that, that aspect of it. Um, in, so it wasn't something that was, that was all of a sudden going to work, bang, oh, we're going to change, you're out. The view from the outside, Mark, I'm not saying it was universal, but there, yep. was, there was a school of thought that it said Mark Neild had too much control in the box, <laughs> that no one could talk to Wusher except you. And that everything had, everything had to be funnelled through you. Is that how much substance is there to that? Oh, not a great deal. I think uh, the reason I chuckled a little bit. I actually rang the journalist who wrote that article. I've been around a long time. I've only ever called two journo's about just to check, not to check where they got the information from, but just maybe to suggest. Not a bad idea if you triangulate <laughs> your data. And I, I didn't mean to. Um, upset the journal. I just asked. I said, look... So in this instance, who are we talking about? Uh, young... It works here, I think. Tom Morris. Tommy, yeah. Little Tommy Morris. Yeah. Um, so I just had a quick chat with Tom and just suggested, nicely, uh, absolutely, I said, mate, I, I reckon you could have you could have checked your, your info just a little bit more. So, it's, so his premise was incorrect? Yeah, well, his premise to say that I was, whatever you said before, didn't let anyone talk to Woosha. Yeah. That's that's ridiculous. Uh, so the way that again, it's as simple as my role in the box was to ask people questions, to ensure that they were giving John the information that he wanted, and then you would pass that on to John. No, it's not a big, no, it's not because no. it's not a big box. You can hear, yeah. you could hear what's going on. So Woosher didn't say there was no edict that none of the other coaches could speak to him directly during a game. No, 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 no. That, no. Okay, it doesn't happen. Okay, how'd you feel about that? I mean, that's just two, two. You, you, I suspect at one point, you loved the idea of being a long-time coach in, in the AFL, and you had the Melbourne uh, setback, yeah. and then Essendon this year. How do you cope with those things? Yeah, the Essendon won no problem because, yeah, again, it was something that we talked about for a while, and and when different people come in, if if the new GM of footy says, look, I, I think half of the role that you're doing I really think the senior coach could do and I know that you want to head down the administration path at the moment, you know, I think this structure has served its purpose. Okay. Uh, it's come in. We, th That's no worries at all. OK. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but you did have a career, didn't you, on the field? Yeah, you, you, yeah. You I played did. at Geelong Long and Richmond. Long time ago. Yeah. 70-odd yeah. games. Yeah. I'm really interested in 1991. The Cats are a good team. Finished third. Yep. You played 21 games that year, including three finals. Yeah. Now, I think that was the year you turned 20 that year, I reckon. Yes, that'd be right. So if I said to someone, this kid's just about to turn 20 and he's a fixture in this team that's going to finish mm. top four, you'd think he'd have a long future ahead of him. What happened? Uh, many things happened in a footy career. That was a great year. 
uh, we do, um, unfortunately that year for the Cats, we got beaten in a prelim. We played the Eagles, it was good. I remember at one stage nearly drowning because Wusher had had me in a headlock. I don't know what I was doing down that <laughs> end of the ground. I got lost and <laughs> Wusher decided to put me in a headlock and nearly drowned me, so I quickly returned to the back pocket. Um, yeah, oh, a whole heap of things happened uh, in people's career. Yeah, there were a couple of injuries. Uh, Sarah and I had children young, uh, which is awesome. Uh, you know, we've got a really close family, have three daughters. Uh, we had them really young, so that plays a part. You pl uh, were coached by Bloody. Yep. Um, and you played with Gaza. Yes. Yeah. What's your favourite story about either or both of those? Oh, favourite story. Uh, How was like, Bloody with you? It was Bloody. I love Bloody, and I yeah. still do. He, he was, and now having been a coach and doing sports admin stuff, he was before his time. Some of the things that he'd talk about about footy at that stage, people would go, well... But now you see, you know, decision making and and game sense stuff and all, all things like that. That back then no one knew what, you know, he was talking about. Um, but he was just brilliant, and he had this unbelievable ability, body. No matter the result on the weekend, no matter you know it was a, a great win or it was a, it was a loss that you thought you could have won, whatever it is. By the time you got to training on Monday. And by the time you left the changing to go out and train, Bloody had had everyone in the whole club convinced that we were going to win. Yeah. It was, it was brilliant. My favourite story about Bloody, and again, I've heard this told by a few people, and, and people always whack a little bit of mayo on it, but I played the day. We were playing Sydney at Cadinia Park, and we arrived at the, at the ground. He put your bag in the rooms, and then he said, right, we're going. So we walked out of the change room, out of the gate, and like if you're a supporter coming to the footy and you can see back then, I don't know, what would it have been, two on the bench or three on the bench, whatever it was, uh, 21 players heading out of the ground. We got in the minibus and we went up to a house uh, not far, just off La Trobe Terrace, not far from Cadinia Park. And it was a house that I think it belonged to one of the board of directors or something. In the house, out the back to the pool room, like beside the pool, whatever the, the right... Pool as in... No, 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 no. Uh, so swimming, swimming pool yeah, and then yeah. the room beside the swimming pool. Yeah. We legitimately sat around in a circle. We did... I th I've heard people... I'll have to run with... I think we had towels on our head, but you could still see. There's, a, there's been a few cartoons drawn about it. And, and then there was a... Again, I've heard people say that they passed around a pipe. Incorrect. It was just a stick and it was a talking stick. You had to pass it around and say whatever it was you were going to commit to. So you talked to. into the stick? Yeah, it was like... you. So here's the stick, Mick, it's your, Mike, it's your turn to talk. Everyone else be quiet. And it was just a simple, symbolic thing. This is what I'm going to do for you guys today. So we're all sitting around, including Gary Ablett. Mm. So we all said whatever we had to say. Um, he said, right, let's go. Got in the minibus, went back to Virginia Park, went out in the ground and beat Sydney. It was unbelievable. What did you say? What did you say to the stick? Yeah, I think uh, me would have... Uh, Young back pocket player would have been about minding my man yep, and yep. doing the right thing and would have been stuff. What did Gazza say? Commit. I'm going to kick 12. Oh, no, he wasn't like that. He, he would have said if you, something along the lines of, if you can get the ball in my area, boys, I'll look after it, which is one of, <laughs> which is one of his favourite lines. <laughs> Mark, it's been an eventful time in footy for you, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it has. I mean, the coaching situation didn't turn out as you would have liked, but you've played and you've coached and you've had a crack at it. Yeah. And you've done it at the top level and the lower level, so good on you for doing that. Nice to see you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thank you.